All right, <clears throat> let's get into it. First John, Steve, would you put the slide up? First John chapter four, verses two and three. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and now is already in the world. So last week we're kind of, we, we started this uh, end of chapter 3 into chapter 4. And John says, this is how we know that we're God's children, that we have the spirit that he's given us. But then he said right after that, he told us, don't believe every spirit, but you have to test the spirits. You have to make sure that what you're hearing and what you're experiencing is really from God. And that it's not some counterfeit thing that's just vying for your attention. And, and we said that theology or what the Bible says will never contradict what we're hearing or what we're experiencing. If it is truly from God, that doctrine and experience will, will um, complement each other and they won't be at odds with each other. If, if it is truly from God. And so we kind of briefly talked about, well, what kind of test, what kind of bar do we set to make sure that what we're hearing and what we're experiencing is truly from God? We said, well, first of all, anything that's said, anything that you're experiencing, anything that you're hearing has to be in line with what the scripture teaches about that certain thing. It has to fall into, into the realm of scripture. If it's not, if it's, if it's contrary to what the Bible says, then we're going to believe that it is not from God because we believe that this is his divine word that's been given to man through the power of the Holy Spirit for the revelation of who God is. And so anything that's counter this on the revelation of who God is, is not truly from God. And then we also said, um, that uh, another test is, is Christ being glorified? Is he at the center? Is he receiving the glory? It is, is, it, is what taking place in his name? And then one, of the, one other one I threw in there is, is the people that are either speaking or teaching or experiencing, are they willing to submit themselves to the scriptures? Are they willing to humbly submit themselves to what the Bible teaches. And so there has to be a spiritual humility. Now, in these two verses, John is going to continue to, to kind of make his point. He wants to make sure that people understand what he's talking about. He, being the good pastor that he is, he wants to clarify, he wants to push a little deeper so people have no doubt, so there's no wiggle room. He wants to make sure that we, the church, understands this. That we have a full and clear and precise understanding about this whole idea of the Holy Spirit and testing the spirits. And what test can we use to make sure the things that we're experiencing, the things that we are hearing are truly from God and not some other God that's in the world. Now, as we, as, as Christians, as we speak, as we share the gospel, as we maybe teach, maybe some of you, you know, you lead a Bible study as you teach, even as a preacher or as you're receiving and hearing things that are in the name of God or in the name of Jesus, we have to be sure that it is truly from God. It is imperative, not just, and, and it's not just about the words being spoken, it's really about the posture of the person's hearts. 
That is the most important thing. And that's what I believe John is getting at here because what he's talking about here is something inside. It's something in the interior. How can we recognize the Spirit of God? Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And those who do not acknowledge are not from God. This is, this is something that's going on inside the person. And it's very, very important that we understand this. Jesus Jesus Christ is always at the center. He is always the foundation to to the Christian perspective, to the Christian standpoint. Nothing else can be in the center. Nothing else can be in the focus. It's Christ and Christ alone. He is essential. The most important thing. Have I gotten my point across? I hope I have. Because that's how important this really is. And so any and all God teaching has to have Christ in the center or it's not from God. It's from some other God. That's trying to be God, but is not going to be God. Any spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Any that doesn't, any that doesn't is not from God. And so let's kind of let's unpack this a little bit. Our faith is not just a mystical experience. Now, it does have mystical aspects to it, which, which are very beautiful if, if you engage them correctly. But it's not just limited to this mystical experience. We always have to make sure that experience is firmly or grounded in the biblical revelation of who God is. And if they are not firmly grounded in the biblical revelation of who God is, then you can be dragged off into some very unhealthy uh, situations and places and, and beliefs. Now, in our culture, there is a high awakening, a spiritual awakening. There's a surge in the interest in spirituality. There actually is. People enjoy saying that they are, they are spiritual and they're hungry for spirituality. And, that's, and, and, and there's many, many people who consider themselves spiritual, and they don't, but they don't like organized religion. And to some respect, I don't really blame them. But, but, but in some respects, I don't blame them. In some respects, I understand that. And so we have all of these different philosophies that are swirling around in the world. Anything that you might hear is a new age philosophy isn't new. It's been around since like the garden. And so these spiritualities, these philosophies have been churning around since the very beginning. And I believe that they are a wolf in sheep's clothing. And, and, and here's why. A person engages a spirituality or a philosophy and, and things, seem to, things seem to go well. And, and, and life gets a little better and, and they become more aware of others and, and they start to love more and they start to love those around them more. And, and, and they're not so selfish and self-centered on themselves. And they're interested, they become interested in what is, what is unseen. They, they know that there's something else out there and they're trying to figure that out and they're trying to engage that. And, and, they, and they take up things like meditation and, and just rest and they get into healthy rhythms in life. I mean, those are all very good things. But... If you are engaging a spirituality that has nothing to do with Jesus, if it's not, if he is not the center of that spirituality, then it is spiritual darkness. And it's a very dangerous place to be. A spiritual person does not necessarily mean they're a godly person or a Christ-centered person. What spirituality are they engaging? That's, that's the question. And, and, and then there's, there's, there's that... Uh, there's the posture of people coming to realize that they have no power in themselves to change. And so they look to a higher power. AA does some really, really good work with people, um, um, healing them from addictions, from alcohol. And, and they, they, um, they, they talk about this higher power. But it can't just be any higher power. 
And, and people know and they realize and they engage this higher power and, and, and things seem to get better. And dare I say, some would even consider themselves Christian. But if Christ is not at the center, they're not. There is no Christian without Christ at the center. It's a spiritual darkness. Even spiritual darkness can pose as light. That's what the Bible teaches us. And as followers of Jesus, we have to be able to discern. We have to be able to discern the darkness that appears like light. People want an empowered and fulfilled life. And there's nothing wrong with that. And the Christian faith has amazing power and has an amazing fulfillment. And, and Jesus said that I've come to bring life and bring it in abundance. And we have, a, we have authority over darkness. But just claiming a higher power doesn't mean it's from God. Our journey of faith, or following Jesus, it's not just about engaging a set of teachings or ideas or, or philosophies. We see that people really like to, to better themselves and to look beyond themselves and to study things that, that uh, they don't know. And, and it's exactly why the self-help section of the bookstores are always so big because people are interested in, in bettering themselves and figuring out how they can make themselves a better person or fix this or fix that in their lives. And they go to the ideas, they go to the philosophies, and they go to the teachings, but that does not mean that those things are from God. Now, now let, me, let me just push this a little further since I'm in a pushy mood. Just following the teachings of Jesus. Just saying, looking at the Bible and going, wow, Jesus taught some really good things here. He taught us to, to love our enemies and he taught us to, to love other people as we love ourselves. And he taught us to take care of the widow and the orphan. And he taught us all of these good things. I mean, the Sermon on the Mount is chock full of really good, moral, ethical teachings. But just to, just to say that I'm going to follow the teachings of Jesus doesn't actually, doesn't necessarily make you a Jesus follower. Because again, it's not about ideas. It's not just about philosophies. It's not just about teachings. In fact, the whole, the whole New Testament, including this letter, is pointing us to the person of Jesus Christ and not just to some group of teachings or moralities or, or ethics. It's pointing us to the person, uh, the Son of God. It goes beyond moral. It goes beyond ethical. It goes to Jesus himself. It focuses on him and him alone. And just because you're following some good teaching that Jesus might have said doesn't mean that you have the Holy Spirit transforming you on the inside. It doesn't mean the Holy Spirit is there lightening up your heart and shining light into the darkness and healing you from the inside. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus has come in the flesh is of God. Now I'm still a little pushy, so let's go a little further. In verse 3, John speaks of the Antichrist. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. Now, this is not the first mention of the Antichrist. He mentions it, I believe, in chapter 2. Dare I say, and I do dare, that is not even enough to believe in Jesus Christ. <gasps> Hear me out. Don't lynch me yet. Demons even believe in Jesus. Chew on that one for a while. John is speaking to the Antichrist, the spirit of the Antichrist. They are in the church and they believe in Jesus. 
They are men and women in the church that believe in Jesus Christ. And so what we believe about him is very important. And this is where it becomes very, very dangerous. Because people will say, well, well, I believe in God and I believe in Jesus, but you know, I, I don't really have to read the Bible. Yes, you do. Because we don't get to make up a God that fits nicely into our own little image. We don't get to, make, to get to make up a God that's comfortable, that demands nothing of us, and that we just go on and just recreate him to whatever life, posture, or situation that you're in. That's, that's, it's not biblical, first of all. We don't get to create God. God has created us. And see, I would say it's much more dangerous to create a God in our image or to create a Jesus in the image that we like than it is to deny him at all. Because if you are creating your own God, then you have this false sense of security. John is speaking to false teaching that's taking place in the church. He's speaking to people who believe in Jesus, but they believe wrong things about him. They do not believe the truth. The Antichrist does not deny him. The Antichrist mis- misrepresents Christ and, 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 and lessens who he is and wants to make sure people follow in that realm. They were in the church. The spirit of the Antichrist was in the church, came from the church, and they believed that they had this new revelation of who Jesus was, and they began to teach that in the church. And that caused a whole big tizzy and people were wondering and, and battling with it. And John is addressing that. And so it's not enough just to believe in Jesus. What do you believe about him? Does it stand up to the scripture? Is it the revelation of who he is from the word of God? In fact, in 2 Corinthians 11, Paul says that people are teaching this different Jesus, a new Jesus. Something that's not consistent with the, with the apostolic teaching, the revelation of, of, of Christ in the scripture. And so we have to ask ourselves, well, how do I know what about Jesus that I need to know? What do I know about the truth of Jesus? Can you, can, can you, and, and, and I believe John does a really good job at beginning to lay down the groundwork right here. This is what we need to believe about the person of Jesus Christ. That every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. Now, this, these people, these, the spirit of the Antichrist that was in the church that John was writing to, they had the new revelation, and they were teaching the new revelation. And John says, wait a minute. No, 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 no. It's, it's nothing new. This has to come in line. Who Jesus is comes in line with who we represented the gospel as being in the first place. Nothing new has come. There's no sequel. There's no prequel. This is who Jesus is. Remember, he starts the letter with, with in the beginning, in the beginning, which was in the beginning. And, and he says, we saw him, we spoke to him, we heard him, we touched him, we wrestled with his teachings. We know who this Jesus is and that he is life and he's life in abundance and that, that life is in Christ. And so the scripture has to be the authoritative lens that we look through everything, look at everything through. This is the authority because this is the word of God for us. The revelation of who God is. And what it teaches is that the apostles and the prophets had a, had a, uh, a very sacred, special revelation. 
Ephesians 2, Paul would write that the church is built upon the, the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And he's not being, he's not being um, prideful or arrogant. He's just speaking truth. And so we take all of these teachings of the original apostles and the prophets and we kind of put them all into a big pile and we call it now the Bible. See, the Bible is less than a book. It's more of a library of just letters and poetry and teaching and, 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 and history. This is the standard for the revelation of who Jesus is, that he has come in the flesh it's not slick words or even, or even miracles that kind of look good and vie for our t- attention. Everything about God has to come in line with the scripture, especially the person of Jesus, not just ideas or teaching. And John is going to show us and he's going to define for us who Jesus is. And, and I love this as, as you kind of break this down a little bit. He tells us that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. There is so much weight to those few words. Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. First of all, he begins with the phrase, Jesus Christ. He uses his first and last name. I got to get new joke writers because that just went over everybody's head. Don't quote me, that's not his last name. Augustine was. (laughs) Sorry, I digress. So he doesn't, he doesn't just say Jesus, and he doesn't just say Christ. He says Jesus Christ. He is speaking about humanity and divinity coming together into one person. Two very distinct natures coming together into, into one entity. Jesus Christ, fully God and fully man. Jesus Christ, man and God, together, all in one not limiting or not lacking in any, any of the two natures, but coming together into one. Now, now what, was, what was being said is that in the church, what they were teaching is that this was not true, that Jesus wasn't the Son of God, but that at his baptism, the eternal Christ came from heaven and took over the body of Jesus. And for three years, this eternal Christ who had possessed the body of Jesus went out and preached the gospel and healed people and proclaimed um, the kingdom of God is at hand. And then on the cross, the eternal Christ left the body of Jesus and just a man died on the cross. This is the heresy that John is trying to correct in the church. And he's telling him, no, no, that's, that's not the case. Jesus is a fully God, 100% and fully human and through the mystery and, and, the, and the power of our Lord, brings them together into one. That's who Jesus is. And that's why it's so important, it's so important to understand the, the incarnation. That the word became flesh. He was not just God. He was not just man. He was fully both at the same time. He took on our nature of humanity, became fully a person, but yet never gave up any of his nature as being God. And if you don't think our faith has some mysterious things to it, chew on that over lunch. There was no separation of the two. And then he continues on that this Jesus Christ, fully God and fully man, has come. Jesus Christ has come. There's a lot of weight in those words 
because it's pointing to that Jesus Christ has come from a, a certain place, that he has existed in some other place in some other time, and now we have him here now with us. Jesus Christ has come. People, we, us, we are all have been born. We have a very distinct physical beginning, and we have a very distinct physical ending. But not for Christ. John said, from the beginning, he has come from eternity, entered into the limitations of time to become one of us. This is who Christ is. Jesus Christ has come. This is why the, incar- or the, um, the incarnation is so important to understand. Because it's the truth of not just idea, of not just philosophy, of not just teaching. It's the truth of the person of Christ. We, we have to understand that, that, yes, Jesus was born into a manger in Bethlehem. But yet he existed before that birth in glory and came into this world. He existed into, in eternity and has entered into history. I, hope, I, I see a lot of blank stares. You're like, uh-huh. follow me. It gets better at the end, I promise, when you leave. And, and, and so he has existed in eternity. He comes in, in history. Two natures, one person. Jesus Christ has come. Jesus Christ has come. These people that John is writing to were denying his divinity, denying that he was the son of God. And he's correcting them and saying, no, he's fully God, fully man, and he has come from eternity to enter into history. And then he's going to push it even a little further. Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. He did not come as a ghost. He did not come as a a phantom body, as some were, were teaching they, they were saying, that the, the, the people in the church that John is writing to, they were saying that he appeared uh, as, as a, in, in spirit, but only looked like a human, kind of like the, uh, the angels of the Lord in the Old Testament when they appeared. He, he, was, he was spirit, but he, he was nice enough to put on a man costume for us so we wouldn't freak out. That's what they were teaching. But the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. John writes in the first chapter of his gospel that the word was made made flesh and he came and he lived among us. Jesus ate. Jesus was hungry. Jesus got belly aches. Jesus got sore feet. He caught colds. He came in the flesh and he grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God, the scriptures teach us. See, John is very concerned that the church understands this truth about Jesus and he knows how dangerous it is to believe anything to the contrary from it. He knows how dangerous it is to believe any type of lie that may be uh, put out there about who Christ is. Because some people say that, well, he was, he was just a great guy. He's a, he's a great moral teacher. Some are still saying that today. Or that he, he reached this whole divinity thing because he, he somehow elevated himself. He reached nirvana. He, he, uh, he went to a higher plane of existence through what, whatever, whatever terminology you want to put. That's not who Christ is. And some would say that he was just God. That he was only God who kind of dressed up, put on a costume for us so he wouldn't freak us out. Those things are very, 
dangerous to believe because it speaks to the person of who Jesus is. And we have to understand that. Our faith, our forgiveness, our sanctification, eternity depends on your understanding of who Jesus is. See, if he, was, wasn't, if he wasn't flesh and blood, then the cross, the cross loses its weight. It, it loses its meaning. If he, if he wasn't flesh and blood, that means that there was no humiliation that the Bible talks about. That they, they, he did not give up glory to come into this world. That he did not limit himself as a, as a man so that he could be fully dependent upon the Father. If he did not come in flesh and blood, then those things would not have happened. There would be no suffering of the Son of God for the sins of the world if he did not come in the flesh, fully God and fully man. Those things all just kind of get canceled out. And if it wasn't the man and God on the cross who died for our sin then there is no forgiveness. And we would never have been forgiven. We would never have been reconciled back to God. No man could die for our sin. And, and, and dare I say, not even just God could die for our sin. But God and man, the two together, went to the cross and died for our sin. He took on our nature to die in our nature. But being fully God, that death reconciled us back to him. And we've been forgiven and sanctified. You can't say you're a follower of Jesus and not be concerned with the truth of the person of who Jesus is. You can't say that you're just going to believe what you want to believe and make stuff up as it seems fitting. You have to believe the revelation of who Jesus is from the scriptures. You have to be grounded in this spiritual truth. You have to be grounded in this spiritual truth. And any wrong teaching of Jesus takes away from who he is and what he has done on the cross. Any higher power that you look to, if it's not centered on Christ, then it is not a higher power from God. And it's dangerous. And it could lead you down very dark, dark paths. See, the scriptures teach us that all that we need is Christ and Christ alone. All that we need is Christ and Christ alone. We don't need anything else for our salvation but Jesus any, any person, any teaching, anything you listen to that tells you that you need Jesus and, and something else is a lie. We need Christ and Christ alone. It's, and, and, and it's not Jesus and your good behavior. It's not Jesus and going to church. It's not Jesus and lifting your hands at worship. It's not Jesus and. It's, not, it's just Jesus. Just him and him alone. That's all. There I left. Okay. No emails, but... It's not even Jesus and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit did not die on the cross for us. The Holy Spirit was sent to us. For what reason? To lead us to who? To Jesus. To reveal who he is. To, to remind us and let us remember. And let us understand the person of Jesus. It's all about an intimate relationship with the person. Not about teaching. Not about idea. Not about philosophy. Christ and Christ alone. This is how we can recognize the Spirit of God. 
every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. It's the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. Father, we want to thank you for your word and, and thank you that, uh, that you've preserved it for so many years. Lord, I, I thank you for the freedom that we have in this country. And we know, Lord, that there are Christians in other countries that are dying right now for their faith. That their faith has recently just become illegal. Lord, I pray for them that they would hold tight to your word and they would have the hope of Christ living in them and they would still continue to be the light of the world in spite of the darkness that surrounds them. Lord, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your son, Jesus. That, That there's power in that name. There's authority in that name. There is power and authority in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Hey, I love you guys. See you next week. Again, if you want to know more about Mora and William and Hope Holmes and and Aaron, they're meeting in the children's church room. If you'd like to learn more about child sponsorship, also talk to them.